0: Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. Well, good morning, People's Church. Good to see you. Great to be with you. Let's give God some glory for what he did through our missions week. We are excited to do more than we've ever done before. To reach the spiritually lost, to plant churches where there are no churches, to train the next generation of ministry leaders around the world, and to serve suffering people with compassion. Thank you, People's Church, for your heart for the world. Somebody give me a clap. See, we're getting warmed up. We're ready. It's going to be a great week, great Sunday. No better way to start your week than in the house of God. That's why Sunday is the first day on the calendar. We start the week, first first day of the week on the calendar. We start our week worshiping, studying God's word. As we come off of missions week, there's a, a reality that some of our missionaries encounter in other parts of the world where the traditional religion of different lands, is closely woven in with national identity. So like to be Iranian is to be Muslim, some may say. To be Thai or from Thailand is to be Buddhist. So when our missionaries from America go to other parts of the world, there is a perception that you are not here just to share about Christ, you're trying to convince me to be an American. Well... So that means that their perception is that to be American is to be Christian. But what many of us have seen is it's not really what it feels like right now. It feels like we're a country that's drifting farther and farther away. And some of the other nations of the world see what's not so Christian about this country. And they say, if that is what Christianity looks like, I don't really want anything to do with that. And we would say it breaks our heart, too, some of the things that we see what's happening in America. And our spiritual identity is not the same as our national identity. What we've experienced as there has been a drifting away in America from traditional Christian values, some things we see, it's like, what is is going on? What's going on in our country? Now, some of the statistics would tell us that there is... there are fewer people who are Christians today than there were five years ago, 10 years ago, or or even farther back. Yes, we've seen a decline in cultural Christianity. What I mean by that is, well, there's going to be a wedding, and our family always gets married in a church, even though the people getting married want really nothing to do with church because we're going to honor the family. We're going to have the wedding in a church. We're seeing a drifting away from that kind of cultural Christianity or new family, baby comes, baby's born, and well, everybody in the family just has the child baptized, we would say dedicated here. So we're going to do that because that's what our family does. That kind of cultural Christianity is waning. Committed Christianity is on the rise. True followers of Christianity, true followers of Christ. We also see a spiritual apathy and even opposition that is rising in our country, and it feels like it is becoming more difficult to be a follower of Christ in America. I read the news. Some of you read a lot more news than I do because I guess you enjoy being in a bad mood. Whether you read a lot or a little, we can point to current events where Christians have faced fines, lawsuits, lost jobs because of their faith. Maybe you've seen politicians go after people of faith nominated to serve as judges claiming that their faith somehow makes them unfit to serve on the bench. If you're a college student and you've spoken up about your faith, even on some of our traditionally conservative universities, it's possible that others on campus have called your faith outdated hateful anti some group of people maybe you get upset when you read about teachers bringing ideologies into the classroom that have nothing to do with what should be going on in the classroom and very much go against your beliefs maybe you've recently gone onto a website or into a store for a brand of clothes that you like to buy <laughs> and more prominent than the khakis is some social position that that brand has decided to align itself with that is very much at odds with where you would land in your beliefs like i'm just here to buy some jeans come on it could be that you've done some binge watching on netflix god knows what you watch on tv But some of us, we try to watch some things on TV, and what we see is that no matter what we watch, that there are lifestyles that go against God's ways that are glorified, and followers of Christ in modern entertainment are very rarely portrayed in a positive way. It feels like it's becoming more difficult to be a Christian in America. Now, as we say this, we, of course, know that there are places in the world where it is far more difficult to be a Christian. We know there are places in the world where the government is engaged in imprisoning or torturing Christians, or the government simply looks the other way while others do it, or people who cause harm to Christians are not prosecuted. Africa's Hope Director, Randy Tarr, shared the account last week of just recently where Islamic extremists pulled a Christian pastor in Africa from his home and murdered him because he would not renounce his faith and close his church we understand that we pray for persecuted christians if you're not praying for persecuted christians pray for persecuted christians we pray for churches in in nations where the only way for them to continue is for them to exist essentially underground We stand with our brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ around the world. Persecution can be taking or destroying property, inciting hatred, arrests, imprisonment, beatings, torture, murder, executions. These things are happening in places around the world. Religious persecution can be considered the opposite. Religious persecution can be considered the opposite of religious freedom. And perhaps when we see things like that happening in other places of the world as followers of Christ in America, we we wonder, would, would I be able to stand up the way that they're standing up? If I were under the same pressure that they were under, would I be able to stand firm in my faith? We've seen what's happening. We see what's happening in other countries. We see what's happening up close in our country. And it's not as we think about these things it's not either or it's both and we're compelled to stand with christ's followers in other parts of the world and we see what's happening here in america and we think what is going on so here is where we come to our message series that we're starting this morning stand firm stand firm we're fitting this into a tight window We're going to speak about this this morning we're going to speak about it tonight and we're going to talk about it next sunday morning because church this is what i desire for us that we would stand firm and even as we talk about all this i'm not discouraged the global church has been growing since it began many over the decades over the centuries have tried to stop it and you know that no one has succeeded many have tried to stop it but they've always failed so we're not here to complain we're not here to say woe is me we're not victims we are victorious who says this the Bible says this thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ so my encouragement church live as a victor not a victim as culture pulls away from god Christ's followers we are challenged to be different instead of retreating we want to decide to stand firm by relying on a strength that is far greater than our own what we're going to going to see today is how to live when your faith is under pressure how to live when you face temptation to do what is against god instead of standing with god and we're going to see that it's a choice so let's choose to stand firm under pressure instead of running from or giving in to pressure living under pressure as a follower of Christ it's nothing new followers of Christ have been under pressure since Christianity began i invite you to open up your word with me to 1st peter chapter 1 1st peter chapter 1 who wrote 1st peter peter some of you were pretty sure of your answer but you were wondering is it a tough trick question it's not first Peter written by Peter that's the Peter this is the Peter who has the background as a commercial fisherman he's a hard worker in a tough industry and he takes that work ethic into following Christ Peter speaks boldly when no one else will say it Peter will say it in Jerusalem Just weeks after the elite of the religious elites led the charge for the crucifixion of Jesus, think of this, in the same city where Jesus was crucified and there was an uproar, a swelling of hatred against Christ in that same city, just weeks later, Peter is the one who stood up And delivered the pentecost sermon that launched the movement that we now call the church that peter peter is the one who for decades carried the banner that we now call christianity committing his life to building the church this letter that we're about to look at today first peter is written to believers who were facing pressure because of their faith in christ they were insulted they were abused they were discriminated against even punished by local authorities even though by the letter of the law it was not against the law to be a christian this started in jerusalem maybe you've read about the martyr of stephen being the first martyr it started in jerusalem the believers scattered as the message of hope in christ expanded the pressure followed pressure has always followed the message of christ but the pressure has never prevailed these early christians perhaps in some way like you and i today they may have been tempted to turn back or turn away to give up so these these christians living under pressure for their faith they get a letter from v peter It would be pretty sweet to get a letter from the Peter, the Peter who walked on water, the Peter who talked to Jesus after the resurrection, the Peter who delivered this incredibly famous sermon on the day of Pentecost. And see, Peter, he knew suffering. Remember they put Peter in prison? They beat Peter? There's actually a a line there in the book of Acts that it's so short that we might uh, just fly by it, where they, the public officials, they tell the apostles to stop preaching, and then they beat them. Well, of course, the message prevailed. Peter was there. Peter knew suffering up close. So this letter, First Peter, it's like if we could send Peter a message and tell him, Peter, <laughs> it's getting more and more difficult to be a Christian Crazy things are happening, and we could list them all for Peter. It's becoming unsafe for some Christians. The pressure is mounting against us in some of our nation's largest cities and smaller cities. There are people in the cities who just don't want us here. Peter, what should we do? What Peter writes in 1st Peter, the whole letter could be a response to that question. So we read it through that lens. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, when Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now maybe you read that. And remember, Peter is writing to believers who are under pressure. And this is basically what he opens the letter with. And it's like, okay, I understand the concept of who Jesus is, but Peter, what about the fact that we're being cut off from our culture? Peter, what about the fact that we're being pushed out of our own families? Peter, what about the abuse? What about the random attacks on our businesses? What about the random attacks on our kids? What about when we endure things and the local authorities just look the other way? What about all that? <laughs> it's like Peter's saying, okay, we're gonna get there, we're going to get there, but let's start. Let's, before we talk about that, let's just reset around what this is all about. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Who you are in Christ shapes how you respond to opposition. Who are you in Christ? By great mercy. Not because we've deserved it, not because we've earned it. In fact, our sin deserves rejection from a loving, holy, heavenly Father. But God loves us so much that in his great mercy, he gives us new life. He causes us to be born again. You had no hope. Now you have hope. And it's a living hope. That word is so good, living hope. What is the source of living hope? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is your living hope. Living hope. It's not just wishful thinking. Living, the word that we have translated for us as living and living hope. Living means full vigor. It means fresh, strong, active, powerful, effective. That's living hope. And the sentence is not over. What is this living hope? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it's to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. An inheritance. We like the sound of that. Now this is an inheritance that is not going to lose value it's an inheritance that's not going to decline if the stock market tumbles it's an inheritance that's not going to lose value it's not going to be destroyed by rust it's not going to fade away it's kept in a place that is more secure than any vault and under greater protection than anything that can be offered by the FDIC it's kept in heaven what's permanent compared with what is perishable peter goes to this theme a few times in the letter he might say okay name what is most valuable in terms of the world's standards and people in the crowd might yell out something like silver or gold the most valuable metal they can think of peter writes the purchase price for this inheritance is greater than silver or gold. It is paid for. It is paid for. It is paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> On this inheritance, people who are in, going to receive this inheritance, verse 5, who by God's power, Are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time who this is for those who place their faith in Christ there is a protection around you because of your faith verse 6 in this you rejoice though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials Now, the crowds, that's what we're talking about, Peter, the trials. In this, you rejoice. This refers back to everything Peter just said. You rejoice because God showed you mercy by giving you new life. You live with expectation, not uncertainty. You have an inheritance, and it's kept in the safest place, protected by the God of the universe. Because Peter starts with that, it puts our trials in perspective. And in the same verse, the same part of the sentence where Peter talks about suffering or trials, he talks about rejoicing. So what we can see is that as a follower of Christ, it's actually possible to rejoice and experience suffering at the same time. Suffering and rejoicing, suffering and joy can coexist as a follower of Christ. Yes, we may suffer trials, adversity, trouble. This word that we have translated into English for us as trial, it also very much means temptation. You and I, if we're followers of Christ, we're going to be tempted To do what is against god we are going to be tempted in the moment of pressure or opposition there may be a temptation where it appears like it would just be easier to walk away in the moment of pressure leaving your faith behind may for a moment appear more attractive but it's not time to walk away it's time to stand firm It's not time to mess around with what is against God. It's time to stand firm in the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. It's time to stand firm in expectation of your heavenly inheritance. Is the way that I get ridiculed, called out, is it ever going to end? How often will I need to be that parent who speaks up when content is brought into the classroom that undercuts the faith values that we teach in our home? Is the way that I subtly or not so subtly get overlooked or left out at my workplace, is that going to last forever? How long is the cultural rejection of a good God going to last? So here's where we press into what Peter says. These trials are for a little while these temptations are for a little while they are perishable there is an expiration date but the promise of heaven that is certain that is undefiled that has no expiration date it cannot be contaminated now we need to say this there is pressure that comes with being a follower of Christ but not everything bad that happens to you is persecution You get a bad grade on your math test. You're not being shunned because of your faith. You just didn't study. We do know this. There are no trials in heaven. There's no suffering. There's no trouble. There's no temptation in heaven. Not all trials are persecution, but all trials are temporary. What is the response to trials and temptations we endure trials and temptations verse 7 so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes when it's tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ as gold is heated what happens when gold is heated with there's impurities in there the gold it turns into a liquid and the impurities they rise to the top so to purify the gold as it turns into liquid the impurities rise to the top you can skim the impurities off the top purifying the gold I say that as if I'm some kind of expert and have actually done this never done it I've seen the video some of you would say this is your story you'd say that your faith became strongest when you went through suffering you would say your faith became strongest when you experienced pressure or difficulty you were tempted you were tested maybe you even were angry there were moments that you felt like running from god and you remember the very intentional decision that you made i'm not going to run away from you father I'm going to run toward you. I'm going to trust you even though it may not make sense. And you would not wish that trial that you went through on anyone, but you are thankful for how your relationship with God went deeper as a result of what you went through. Peter, he walked and talked with Jesus. Peter had close personal relationship with Jesus when Jesus was on earth. Peter who wrote the letter that were looking at today Peter actually was in the room and heard Jesus say here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows but that's not the end of what Jesus said here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows period but take heart Jesus says because I have overcome the world Now, Peter saw Jesus, but the audience that's reading this letter, they did not see Jesus the way that Peter had actually walked and talked with him. So so Peter says in verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Peter writes this about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. It's now been three decades. He's been living in faith relationship now for three decades. Peter, in writing this, speaks strongly if you have doubts about Jesus being fully God and fully man. You have questions, perhaps, about the authenticity of the historical events recorded in the Bible. Peter lived his life committed to the cause of Christ. Peter walked away from the family business to devote himself to advancing the message of Jesus. But think about this. Peter's faith was not solidified by the life or even death of Jesus Christ. When Jesus suffered and died on the cross, what happened? Everyone thought it was over. They walked away. They scattered. They were on their way back to their hometowns. It was good while it lasted, but it's done now. Jesus has suffered and died on the cross. Peter, like so many, the faith was not solidified by the life or even death of Jesus. Peter's faith was affirmed and compelled by what? By the resurrection of Jesus. And so that Peter, he writes, now you believe in Jesus. Now you have a joy so great that you can't even put it into words. We've said this whole letter can be read as if peter were responding to a message from christians who ask we're under pressure we face opposition it's getting more difficult to be a person of faith what should we do and a follow-up question might be peter do you have do you have any insight into what the outcome will be how is this all going to end if if we are to stand firm in trials If we're to affirm our faith under pressure, what will the outcome be? Peter, do you have any assurances of what the outcome will be? And Peter would say, Yes, there is an assurance. Because you trust in Jesus, you will be, verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The outcome is your salvation a day is coming when the pain will end and perfection begins a day is coming when faith will be rewarded and evil will be punished God's patience with sinners must not be confused with his hatred of sin God spoke through the prophet Isaiah what sorrow for those who say the evil, that evil is good and good is evil. And many of us would say that's what we see happening in the world right now. People saying what's good is actually bad, what's bad is good. And through Isaiah, God speaks what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. The cultural and political opposition that we see happening around us, it's not going to defeat the church. We know the outcome. Christ followers pass through temporary trials, temporary trials on the way to a perfect, permanent heavenly home. This may be easy to understand. We grasp the concept, but it's not easy to live out. Serving God in the present, even if there's suffering, because we know the future. We stand firm with God in the present because of the promised future. So that may mean bringing the love even when you're not feeling the love. God may be impressing on your heart today to resolve a conflict to rebuild something that's broken. God may be challenging you today to endure something that you would really prefer not to endure. God may be pressing on your heart to go somewhere where you don't really want to go. Or God may be saying, it's time to wait even though you really don't want to be patient. With God, you can do this. You can do this. What trials are you facing today? Perhaps pressure against faith. It's been something you've been aware of, But it's always been something that happens to someone else in some other place and because of some recent circumstances now it's not just somewhere else you're living it and it's unlike anything you've experienced in your lifetime now your family is facing a choice are we going to stand up and it's your prayer God Show me how to be a person of faith. What temptation are you facing today? Do you come in here devastated, overwhelmed, tired, torn, possibly even crushed? In those moments, we can be drawn or tempted to return to the sins of our past. And through the words of Peter, we are reminded, you're tempted, but remember, you have new life in Christ. Live with expectation, not uncertainty. You have an inheritance, and it's kept in the safest place, protected by the God of the universe. And you have a promised outcome. And now it's not the time to walk away. There is wonderful joy ahead, though you must must endure many trials, temptations, and suffering for a little while. For a little while. So look at that temptation. This is only for a little while. Look at that trial. This will pass there's an expiration date on that trials temptations, suffering you will face opposition but only for a little while and think of this church this is where it gets exciting opposition is actually an opportunity to live out our faith it's an opportunity to show that there is a hope that you have and to let your light shine when so many around us are longing for hope overwhelmed by discouragement if we think about some of the pressure that's been happening in our country what's happened people are rising up people are saying we're not going to take this lying down and they're going to speak at their public meetings they're putting their message out there and many of these people would not be standing up and declaring the truth of Jesus Christ if it were not for the pressure that we are currently facing. Opposition is an opportunity to live out our faith. You have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm because you have a living hope. You have a living hope. (laughs) Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ today. Your word is once again spoken to our hearts. Your word is alive and active. And some of the specifics may be different, but just as followers of Christ endured pressure, In those first years and decades after the death and resurrection christians all over the world are enduring various levels of suffering today pressure temptation trial we're at moments if if we're honest we would say it just feels like it would be easier to walk away from this it feels like it would be simpler to no longer identify with Christ. Father, guard our hearts today when we're tempted in those moments. Remind us that the trial, no matter how devastating it is, no matter how consuming it is, the trial is temporary and the inheritance cannot be taken away. We're talking about standing firm. So very simply in this space today, I invite you to stand up with me. One of my friends used to say, everybody's going through something. Everybody's going through something. So church, before we leave this place today, if you have some business that you want to do with god you're facing a trial a suffering a difficulty maybe it's financial maybe it's legal maybe it's in a relationship it could be financial maybe you're in one of those moments where you're making a choice am i going to stand firm in faith right now or am i going to pull back. I'm going to invite you as the worship team begins to play to come down to this altar as we declare that whatever trial you may be facing, it's temporary. We want to reset our hearts on the permanent inheritance that's promised followers of Christ. Maybe you'd be here today and you'd say no one else knows it, but I'm going through a temptation right now. This week I've been tempted to back down or even walk away from my faith. I've thought maybe it would be easier if I just didn't do this anymore. And you've heard exactly the right message at exactly the right moment. And you want to come to this altar and affirm that your faith is in Jesus Christ. And the temptation, it's not going to sink you. It's going to refine you. It's going to strengthen you and it's gonna purify that relationship that you have with your heavenly father. So if any of that applies to you, you wanna lay it at the altar, bring it to God today, allow him to strengthen you before you go from this place. As the worship team begins to play, you come from the, all over this place down to this